Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Lynn Davis, thank you for talking to me on Human Stories. How are you? I'm great today. Uh, I uh, still feel like we're in February, even though we are in May, but uh, hopefully summer is going to plan to show its face soon. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Now, um, I want to talk to you about um, your life and what you've achieved and so on for human stories in, in the hope that it might uh, inspire other people. But you ha- you have what, something special about you, um, which is that you're totally blind. Yes, I am born totally blind. I have a um, detached optic nerve and I also have cataract, which was never removed when they realised that I had a detached optic nerve, basically. So I am properly blind. I can't see light. I can't see shades. Uh, I've done it. I've done it 100% properly. (laughs) Not like some of those other blind people who have, who can see shades and stuff. Yeah. They're just, yeah. (laughs) It's a joke in the blind community. Like when you say I've done it properly. (laughs) I like the sense of humor. And um, so you were born blind. Yes. So you've never seen anything around you. No. That must be like being in a totally different world to sighted people. Maybe. Hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you, even if I wanted to. Um, obviously, I do perceive things by touch and by smell and also by, by energy, which sounds very new age, but it, it is true. Um, I also perceive things. So, so obviously, I don't perceive things with two balls in my head also known as eyes mm. um and that makes it of course different but i can't say how and in what way i mean my world is as rich as a sighted person's world it's just different yeah i understand that's that's awesome i mean i, ca- I can't imagine not being able to see tell me about your life how are you brought up and um what happened when you went to school did you have to go to a special school i presume so I am from Norway originally, and uh, when I was born, so I'm born in the mid-80s, so I guess that gives my age away somewhat, <laughs> um, I was part of a new generation of, like, th- they experimented getting blind people into normal schools. I think it may have started in the late 80s, and I started school in 1992. So... Uh, um, Norway has a very small population. I mean, now it's 5 million people in the whole of Norway. Mm. So you can imagine there's not many blind people Mm. in that population when you don't have many, uh, a big population. So before my time, people were sent off to special schools and they lived um, on site. It was like a boarding school. I was... I uh, went to normal school uh, or mainstream school, as I'm supposed to call it, mm-hmm. um, where I had my own teacher in the classroom. So I learned exactly what the others were learning, but with Braille books. So I had the same books. Uh, I had the same homework. I had the same everything just in Braille. And I was learning alongside sighted people. And uh, did you have to take exams or anything like that? 
yeah, yeah, everything was exactly the same. The only things that were different was um, there were certain subjects where my um, where I had slightly separate education. So geometry, for example, um, is harder to draw the figures, and I had to learn how to do it. Mm. But there were parts of that I, I didn't have to do. Um, also, when we had IT eventually at in secondary school, I did have separate IT lessons because obviously I learned to use the computer from the age of nine. So when the others learned touch typing uh, or learned Photoshop, there were other things that I learned instead. So, but it was still, I still had the same, exactly the same requirements as everybody else and mm -hmm. took the same exams and all that. So the parts of it were just slightly adapted really. Yeah. Um, and, and harder, I should imagine, for you to, to achieve. Not necessarily. Um, I do think that educate, the education could have been adjusted somewhat differently um, mm. in certain, not in the main subjects, but in certain subjects it could have been different. But I was always very studious and I always knew that I wanted to do well and leave Norway and go out in the world and do something greater than staying in that little country. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I, I took pride in studies, especially languages like English and French and and literature and all that. Ah, très bien. <laughs> Et mais oui. <laughs> <laughs> I speak I speak rubbish French. But uh, <laughs> but I get by. I get by. Oh well, fantastic. And then did you go on to to do adult studies when you when you left school? What happened? I yeah, I did. So I went to Edinburgh Napier University in, in Scotland, oh. where I did journalism as a degree. Okay. Um, and I didn't pick up the Scottish accent too well, but I did uh, somehow pass my degree. Oh. Um, and then I went and moved to London where I started working for the BBC. Right. Okay. What did you do there? So I came in... Um, something called the BBC Extend Scheme, which is a trainee scheme for disabled people. And I, I worked uh, for six months on Blue Peter. Um, so if you have a mainly UK audience, obviously that is a big thing. Mm. And for any non-UK listeners, that's like a flagship kids program that's been running for, I've been, I was working there when, during the 50th um, anniversary celebration. So we did all the filming with the celebrities to get kids to do, bring in buy sales to raise things and it's a very scientific program as well so you, you learn how to make all sorts of stuff mm. um i'm sure you grew up watching blue peter as i well. did in fact here's one i made earlier which <laughs> is the phrase of the, <laughs> the time and uh i'm gonna ask you a silly question now have you got a blue peter badge of course i do <laughs> of course <laughs> Of course, uh, and I have a 50th edition one as well. I don't oh, have the regular one. It's worth a fortune. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I should sell it, shouldn't I? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Just, there is that uh, emotional value as well, just to be able to say, hey, I've got a blue piece Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I haven't got one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. If I, if I was still connected, I would have made sure you had one. <laughs> That's very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so um, I understand now you want to get into um, more journalism a bit more. Um, what are your ambitions? I don't really know yet because I have, you know, after I had to leave, uh, I had to leave the UK because both my parents died from cancer. Mm. And uh, so I had to go back to Norway and sort of uh, redo my life all over again. Um, 
Uh, so I had to study. I, I studied because there just wasn't any work for me to be had. So I did a master's degree in uh, media science. Oh. And then I also ended up having a focusing on my music and my music career, which took me to Nigeria and certain West African countries. So, yeah, now I'm back in the UK. I kind of want to find a career path where I can do my journalism, also use that for. Also, I want to sort of do my music as well. And also, I have a during the COVID pandemic, I, I've um, trained as a coach. So I want to sort of find a way to combine them because I believe it doesn't have to be um, exclude. Like you don't have to, ex- one doesn't have to exclude the other, so to speak. Mm. So um, yeah, I would love to make a podcast. That is definitely something I'm hoping to do. Um, I'm looking for a co-host. So if anyone is listening, I want somebody who I can banter with because <laughs> I, I thought of going it solo, but I am, um, I am one of these people that sound better when I can bounce off somebody. Um, yeah, and um, I would love to get back into the BBC World Service because I worked there for a little while. Because uh, after Blue Peter, obviously, I, uh, I was only there for six months and I was working there, um, working for other places in the BBC, including the World Service, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm. So Fantastic. Okay, tell me about your music and your music career. What instruments do you play? So I'm a singer. Uh, I have always had love for African music. And my dad used to work in Nigeria when I was growing up because he was working in the oil sector, so the oil industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I lived in London, I was going to a African, well, a very, it, was a, it wasn't an African church. It was a um, sort of inter, interracial church. Like everyone was welcome but there was a lot of people from african and the caribbean so the music was very sort of shaped by that and i was part of the worship team and we i learned a lot of like those types of songs and i just thought i really want to do this so here come i as a blind white person (laughs) um i got the chance to go and record with a label in nigeria and i did and uh yeah, I, I do still record and release my own music. I now record my own music at home, uh, and I'm also learning music production. Wow, that's awesome. And and that must be very satisfying for you as well because it's, it's audio rather than visual. Yeah, I definitely have an advantage in that. In, in that it's, it's all about hearing. And the funny thing is when I've been working, because I've done, uh, I did some radio work in Norway and uh, the technician, sometimes she had a, um, a radio program where she liked to play really experimental music. And she only wanted me for her technician because she liked the way I balanced the levels. And she always said to me, Lynn, if you look at the levels and you see them, they don't look good, but they sound awesome. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's that is awesome it doesn't look like you're doing the right thing but they sound absolutely great <laughs> and so i'm just closing my <laughs> eyes whenever you're doing my mixing i can't watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so um i'm picturing you in front of loads of knobs and faders then in the studio i mean you have to sort oh of- yeah love love them i love doing that everything analog is great i think it's a shame things are becoming so digital now well that's true i mean i'm, I'm sitting in front of an analog uh, broadcast mixer here and actually i i can feel my way around it but only because mm-hmm. i've I've done it for so long, you know, and uh, it was the same when I was um, 
uh, at another radio station where it was a bit like the flight deck of Concord. And there's like 2,000 knobs and buttons. It all looks very impressive. But when you break it down into channels, you know, there's a fader close to you and then the knobs you can count backwards with your eyes shut. And by listening as well, you can adjust the different settings. So it's actually not that difficult. It just looks very impressive. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I can picture it when you say it. And uh, it's something very satisfying about actually physically just, you know, do the faders and the knobs and all of that stuff. And it's something very physical, um, satisfying about that physical process rather than, you know, doing it using the arrow keys on the keyboard or in the in the sighted person's case, a mouse, you know, it's mm. so... Um, yeah, I'm hoping one day that somebody will let me loose in a big studio at some point or a small one, just as long as it has an analog mixing table, because I just think it's it's very much fun as it well is. as what I want to do. So. It's very much like uh, playing an instrument, I think, because, you know, you've, you've always got one ear on what, what's going on and then you're, you're constantly keeping a know an ear out for anything that needs adjusting and so on and it's a bit like mm-hmm. playing a piano or an organ or something you know, in many ways yeah and you know the great thing as well I, I feel that journalism and music is actually very tied up together because I when I was working for the BBC I think more than half of my colleagues were doing music on the side either as a hobby or like as something really like they had sort of a semi-professional music career. I I think the music career, I have seen the music business and I don't necessarily, although I would love to make enough money of my on my songs to just kind of live comfortably, it, it isn't, um, it's hard to get a sustainable music career and it's, um, mm-hmm. um, the music industry is not always a nice place to be no, uh, for and anyone. It- and it's twice as hard when, you, when you're disabled because the extra support isn't there for you, especially that's what I find. Um, and I just find that, you know, that that creativity between broadcasting and music is, is very sort of unifying in a way. It's, there isn't that much difference, really. Mm. No, that's, that's yeah. right. That's very true, yeah. Okay, um, so what happens if I send you an email, which I have? How do you read it? How do you get the message? Okay, so um, I have a screen reader called JAWS, which is short for Job Access with Speech, uh, although everyone thinks of sh- it, the, the logo is actually a shark. And when you download <laughs> it, it's snapping its teeth. It has that sound. <laughs> so um, it's quite clever. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it reads you the text. Sorry? It reads yeah, you so the text. Yeah, so that reads all the text. It translates everything on the screen. Wow. Um, and it's the same on the iPhone. So Apple has a built-in thing called voiceover which all apple products have mm. and you can switch it on and off and then it does pretty much the same thing as jaws that's awesome isn't it so technology it's, sometimes is, is useful <laughs> it is very useful as much as life in many ways was simpler for everyone before technology mm. it does allow me as a blind person to actually um there's so many things I can do. I can read labels on things, you know, and if you want to avoid certain food ingredients or if you want to know what's in your hair products or whatever, like I can read labels, which is great. I can um, Google something quickly and, and read about it. I can use the um, uh, maps, Google Maps with an app called Soundscape when I'm walking outside in strange areas and it tells me what is 
around me so it will tell me like it will i have to wear headphones so it does like a tick 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 sound on whichever side the shop is on and it will tell me the name of the shop so like yeah i can get a really good way of like knowing what's around me so technology is very useful that's fantastic i didn't know any of that so uh, imagine if i didn't have any of that you know mm. uh, well i i didn't i didn't until it's only recently, it's only the past 10 years or so it's been that advanced. Yeah, I suppose. Um, okay, what advice would you give to somebody who's blind um, uh, about their lives? How would you uh, encourage them, motivate them? What advice would you give to, to another person in your situation? Actually, the first advice I would give is to a blind person's parents because it all starts with your family because if your family doesn't support you and encourage you to be what you want to be then it's going to be really hard to kick against it so there are blind people and their parents don't encourage them to learn how to live independently for example um, they don't encourage them to necessarily go out and seek a career so I would just say that if you're a parent or an adult who can influence a blind child from a young age, then just, you know, think that they are able to do whatever they want to do with the right type of support. Mm. And I would say to somebody who is blind that, um, you know, don't look at what other blind people do or don't achieve. Um because that comparison trap, I grew up with that all my life. And I, I looked at, oh, she's better than me at this. And you don't have to be everything as a blind person. Because very often, if, for example, a blind person can't cook, it's attributed to their blindness. Yeah. Uh, but when a sighted person can't cook, it's just because they can't cook, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, I think the one thing I wish somebody had told me was don't stress yourself. You don't have to be everything to everyone. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be good at everything just because you're blind and just because people think you can't do something because you are blind. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense, but yes. that is something that I would want to hear as a blind person, like being me and being who I am is enough. And yes, of course, you should always encourage people to do the best with anything they can out of, out of their abilities. Mm. But being blind is also as much as being an individual and make sure you are the individual that you want to be. Yeah, good advice, I would say. And uh, how about your personal life? Um, you know, what, what um, barriers or what uh, problems have you encountered with uh, personal relationships, etc.? When I was growing up, when I was a child, it was super easy because... Again, growing up in the 80s, 90s, we had the luxury of being able to run around. It's not like children nowadays who can't, uh, who can hardly go to the shop by themselves because everyone is too scared that they're going to get kidnapped mm. uh, <laughs> or other things happening. Yeah. So I, it was cool. Like I had the same freedom as everyone else and I had friends and uh, the awkward part for me was being a teenager. I hated it because I didn't have any role models to look up to. Um, obviously, I wasn't very attractive to any boys because I was blind. I mean, I did have a couple of boys crushing on me, but they never dared to do anything about it because of their street cred or whatever it's called. Mm. Um, so that was really hard. I think as an adult, I 
I'm naturally a very assertive person. So I have always managed to find friends and I know who my close friends are. Mm. And some of them are blind, some of them are sighted and I have a good mix of friends. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, I am married. I'm happily married and my husband is sighted. He's from Sierra Leone, so we're a very international family. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, and I have a nine and a half year old stepdaughter who lives with us full time. Right. And hoping for more children. And yeah, we have actually got our two year wedding anniversary tomorrow. Ah, oh, so. congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, it should be said, his cousin is blind though. So I'm not the first blind person in the family, which was really nice when I came into the family. Because that's always a thing when you get into a new family, like mm. how are they going to react to my blindness mm -hmm. and are they going to find it strange but because there have been someone before me they're very natural about that mm, no shocks no surprises yeah. no shocks no surprises yeah. brilliant <laughs> oh that's fantastic and then oh. i think i've made uh, in my early 20s i made all the same silly mistakes with the opposite sexes i think most people have made in their 20s well, yeah, and 30s, some, 40s, and 50s and, as well. Yeah, no, and some 30s, yeah, and 40s and 50s, depending. Um, you know, some of them you, you bitterly regret, and some of them you still regret, but you can see the benefits because they taught you a good lesson, and then yeah. others, you know, were great. So it's all, <laughs> down to, it's all down to experience, isn't it, which makes you a better person. But I do think that when people pass um, 16, when people leave college basically that's when people are truly you know at uni i didn't find that anyone excluded me because of my disability mm. in the same way i found at school no brilliant lynn thank you so much for talking to me on human stories you you have been inspirational uh which is <laughs> i thought you would be and i was told that you would be as well and you certainly have been, especially to somebody listening to this who is blind. And your advice um, is fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to Human Stories. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure to be on. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll inspire or help others. Get in touch if you have a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to reach your own audience, or if you'd like training so you can do it yourself, I can help. Go to TonyLloydRadio.com. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.